It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Hey everybody, welcome again to the wild, weird, and wacky world of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and with me, as always, is the host with the most, Jules. Um, I'm not sure what I've got the most of, but if there's stuff to be had, I've probably got all of it. It's booty. <laughs> I've definitely got all of that. <laughs> and the if house with the most booty. Yes. Uh, well, I don't know. We could probably have a booty off in that area um, when we when we move on to doing the vodcast. Uh, right. Look forward to the TV chinwag booty off or not. How do we get to talk- or not? How do we get to talking about booty in the first couple of minutes? Um, well, usually we don't record that part. Oh, okay. Uh, we're recording. Yeah, I did hit record. <laughs> okay, so we better talk about some television. Ugh, I don't actually watch TV at all, do you? No, I just read things on the internet and then I pretend I to read watch them. TV Guide. And TV well, no, Guide. I don't. TV Guide. I know because. <laughs> oh, the Canadian one's closed, hasn't it? That's right, yeah. We talked about that last week. Um, we do watch TV a, Weekly. We do That's watch one, a right? lot of. Um, TV and uh, and particularly now during this podcast, um, we have TV homework to do. Oh my god, it's so much work. <laughs> when well, you don't like a show, it is so much work I, to keep I, watching. I it. feel guilty now when um, I start watching a show that's not on our list of shows to review. So right. um, I feel guilty when I start watching a show that I don't really like, and I'm like, oh, I really feel bad for making Jules watch this. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> you said she didn't have a squeak toy. You told. You promised. Um, sorry. Just you'll have to edit this bit out. Just she hides the them. I'm not editing. <laughs> sorry, that was my dog and her communicator. She can't speak, so she has a special piece of equipment that she communicates with me through squeaks, like Flipper. Oh, my God. I didn't know she was handicapped. Yeah. I'm so sorry for that, making fun. That, that's okay. That's okay. Oh, She's... what an a-hole I am. You are. You are. But yeah. Speaking of booty. Speak... Booty. Booty. <laughs> Have you got any TV news for us, Ryan? Um, there's a new show coming up on our favorite network, Stars. Woohoo! We love Stars. Are... Stars. We do love Stars, but are we reviewing any shows from the Stars Network right now? Jules? Not now, but we will be. I'm sure. What's on? I think we'll. I think we'll uh, hopefully do this one called Outlander. Have you heard of Outlander? Oh, I have heard of Outlander. You tell us about it, Ryan. No, you you tell us about it. Oh dear! Off the top of my head, so it's ba- it's based on a series of books uh, by an author called. Uh, Diana Galabon, and it's set in the Highlands of Scotland, and a huge series of books. We're talking sort of, uh, you know, Game of Thrones type uh, fandom here. So, uh, well loved, well known, and Stars has made a series about it. I think it's going to be really cool. I, I mean, I love the Scottish Highlands. I've been there, and I, I love it. It's beautiful. They have cows. Very interesting. They're place. very hairy cows. Right, the coos. Coos. Uh, the Highland coo. Um, What's interesting, or one thing I find interesting about this, is they're going to be broadcasting their first episode uh, a week before it airs on television, and it's going to be on multi-screen platforms. Ooh. What does that mean? So you're going to find it on the uh, on demand uh, through your television. You can find it on demand through cable, satellite, your telcos, but also on the Star's website. Their official Twitter page will link through to it youtube and facebook will have it wow uh, essentially they're making it available to everyone before the tv premiere on august 9th wow so you're not going to be able to avoid outlander i don't think so <laughs> I, I i can only imagine that i know we'll retweet it when it comes out but um now you had mentioned uh in our conversation last week that Ten years ago, they did the same thing with Supernatural. They wasn't did. It? It, uh, it streamed the pilot episode streamed on Yahoo, actually, um, which we were talking about because they've picked up um, Community. Uh, not that anyone's heard of Yahoo as a broadcast platform for a while, <laughs> but that was really at the forefront. I mean, that was really early days. We're we're talking, you know, ten years ago. You've got to remember, YouTube had only been around for six months. You know, right. just think about that for a moment. Uh, yeah. no one and would... it was a website dedicated to 
um, funny pets and people getting hit in the nuts. Has it changed? Uh, yeah. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it's on their mission statement. Facebook was was new and only existed amongst you know a couple of colleges. You know, where right. it's amazing. You know, when you think back ten years, so doing this sort of broadcasting um, online as well as on TV was uh, just started to be you know trialed by a couple of the the networks, and Supernatural was one of the. The first, and of course, you know the the rationale being get as much audience as you can, uh, get the word and the buzz happening for when it actually hits, you know, the television, and you've got your you're selling your advertising and and everything. Um, I think particularly with with new properties. I mean, as I said, Outlander's got um, a big a big fan base, but there will be a lot of people they're hoping to attract who hear Outlander and and. Unfortunately for them, it's the, a, a name and a name that's similar to a number of science fiction-based series that have been around over the years. Um, well, I, I hear it and I think of Highlander. Yes, yes. So it brings up that idea. It's actually, basically, it's a historical drama, but it does have elements of science fiction sort of fantasy in it, although that's not, you know, main part of it. It's adventure uh it's a bit of romance so it's actually one of those that can be hard to pin down what the genre is so i think Mm -hmm. watching it will be um uh will be the thing that gets people in and we should mention of course it's got uh the amazing ronald moore associated with it who uh people will mainly know from battlestar galactica so i mean that gives it for me but who also serves as an executive producer on a certain show that we're going to be talking about today which is helix Exactly, and um, and who also that's called a segue in the business tools. That's what they refer to as a segue. <laughs> yeah, except we've... it's not an easy thing to do. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah, except but... you've done it prematurely. Well, that happens to some guys. <laughs> I know that's a burden I have to bear for doing a podcast with a guy. Uh, premature segues. There's a pill, there's probably a pill for it. Just think self-confident. I was going to say, thinking of all the guys who do podcasts, I'm sure it's a common condition. Right. Uh, We'll have an ad for that medication next week. Um, (laughs) The other interesting and slightly disappointing thing is that they've already announced that they're, so there's 16 episodes in this first season of of Outlander, and already the stars have announced they're going to split it and have a big honking hiatus in the middle of it, because that works so well for every other show not. (laughs) So funny when you see things that are, um, first of all, just I want to say congratulations on that really timely not that you threw in there. But what, one thing, you know, you see all these other shows that are coming out on Netflix all at one time, and it's it's almost the exact opposite yes. of this slow-release slow time capsule that they do with some other shows. Um, what formula is the successful one? I don't know. Of course. And, I, you know, obviously they try different things, and, you know, we've seen the extreme of this where you've had things like Breaking Bad and Mad Men actually split over different years, not just a yeah. three or four month hiatus. Now I'm sure there's financial imperatives for that because it means that your uh, your product is sitting in two different financial years, and there's probably uh, for the shows that big associated awards benefits, you know, because you can be in the Emmys two years in the row. But yeah. I think personally, having a four or five month hiatus in the middle of a season for a new show, I don't. Personally, don't think it's a good move. I know Revolution did that in its first season, and I do think that's probably didn't help it in in the long run. There are other things that didn't help it, but um, just when you're gathering an audience, and I'm sure the rationale is okay. People will be get into this. We'll have a big break, and they can tell all their friends, and they can all catch up and come back for the second half of the season. Right. But I yeah, I don't think the evidence is there. I want to see some pie charts about whether that works or not. And, I mean, eight is a strange number. Eight is a very unsatisfying number, in my opinion. Twelve is sort of where it's at. Even break, uh, uh, Game of Thrones does twelve, don't they? Yeah, and I think that's, yeah. again, particularly for a first season of something, in eight episodes, you you know, to be generous, you're really just expecting it to have found itself. Um you know, obviously you hope with a shorter season overall they find themselves a bit quicker, but still, that's, um, you know, you're relying on the fact that people are going to adore the show after that first half. And do you do it as a first half of a season or do you, you know, from a writing point of view or do you do it as 
um, a season, you know, a totally encapsulated? Is it an eight episode season or is it the first half of a 16 episode season? Right, yeah. <clears throat> um, and and it's, it's a big, it, they're going September and it's not until January or February that they come back. So, uh, could be, could be, a, could be a bad thing. Yeah, particularly, you know, because you have all the other big network news shows premiering, you know, around September, October. And for many of them, the rationale has certainly been to minimise your breaks over that time. I know the CW has really um, uh, cut back and they basically only have uh, a break at Thanksgiving and, you know, a few weeks over the Christmas break with the idea that, in the back half of the season, you put in a few more breaks. So because it won- but that's when you're doing 24 big episodes, that's exa- big exactly, hour-long episodes exactly. a season. I mean, that it takes a lot of time to create. Yeah, um, but I yeah. also think in the back half of the season, if people are hooked, they they're hooked and they'll stay around. Um, you know, even if you were doing 16 episodes, maybe you play the first 12 and have a bit of a break and then do the last four or something. But I'm not running a network, so what do I know? Yet. Yes, yes. Stars, um, call I, I me. Could, I have ideas <laughs> and I love your network. <laughs> what I would say is the only people that could pull this off would be AMC if they're running eight episodes of Mad Men back-to-back, eight episodes in the same time slot after that of Walking Dead, eight episodes of Breaking <laughs> Bad after that. Then you can get away with doing that. Stars, ooh. You might be you might be playing with yeah. Fire. I mean, walking it's worked for Walking Dead. Um, they almost had, and we'll be talking about the Walking Dead in a couple of weeks. Um, next week, actually, I think next week. Yeah. Next week, yeah. uh, and they've done that. I mean, this season particularly had a big hiatus in the middle, and both halves of the season were noticeably quite different. So it it straddled that line between two halves of one season and and two different seasons. Um, but they're also the Next to the Game of Game of Thrones, the top rating show on TV, so they've got a bit of love to play around with with their audience. Uh, yeah, and to completely undo everything that we've said, eight episodes would actually be a long season for anything in Britain. So yeah, I mean, if you got eight episodes of Sherlock in a season, you'd crap yourself. So <laughs> maybe it's enough. I think the Sherlock <laughs> fandom would just implode on itself, yeah, which exactly. wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Um, oh my ooh. goodness, we're going to be reviewing that show soon. Oh. Don't say that. Oh, actually, which something I didn't know about was, uh, here we go, this is a smooth segue, a bit of news of Ian McClellan is playing a version of Sherlock that's filming at the moment, where he plays, um, obviously, a very old Sherlock. Um, So it just says something about that character and those stories oh, that there's... Um, oh, I'd watch Ian McKellen read a phone book. Well, I, I mean. exactly. And we should maybe put on our list of... Have you ever watched his sitcom Vicious? No. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll I'll, I will make you watch some of that because that's an absolute um, uh, treat to watch. Anyway, oh, cool. we should move on to... Um, I was going to speak briefly, have a little bit of outrage about the Emmy Award nominations. Do we care about the Emmys, Ryan? Um, Who cares well, about it, the Emmys? As far as my upstanding membership goes, of course we do. <laughs> it's an important institution in the entertainment industry, uh, obviously. Uh, but I think they can go fuck themselves for not giving <laughs> Tatiana a nomination for Orphan Black. I mean, that's why, you know, in, in the roster of ac- actors on TV at the moment, um, and obviously we've showered praise on her when we reviewed Orphan Black. Why would Tatiana Maslany miss out on an Emmy nomination? Well, she's Canadian, for one. Yes. And it's a Canadian co-pro with Not America. And it's science fiction? Yeah, and it's science fiction. And only half a million people watch it every week. Well, maybe more than that, isn't it? No, half a million people. What? Really? Yep. That's tiny. Yep. I think people forget, uh, you know, we get a big split these days, I think. uh, You know, the shows that get, say, a lot of buzz on Twitter and such, um, we start to think that they're really big shows, and some of them are, but um, some of them... Well, that's because we surround ourselves with people of like interest, so the conversations that happen are of your ilk. Yes, uh, and it's not always the case that those shows are actually rating or getting a, a, a broader... Uh, audience out there so I mean it's it's disappointing I mean you know I think 
like any award shows, the Emmys are a culture unto themselves, not to cast nasturtions on um, the good people like yourself who are involved in uh, voting for these things. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, there are other shows. Um, I know um, Stephen Amal and some other people were um, miffed that Arrow missed out for Stunt Work Award, which... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a nomination, I should say, not even an award. Uh, Hannibal didn't get any nominations. I was very pleased to see that the originals got a nomination for Best Hairstyling. And no, that's not a joke. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and you often end up with shows, you know, the breaking, you know, things like Breaking Bad have, you know, dominated categories year after year and often there's a very small roster of shows that tend to be on the the top list and I think we talked about this a few weeks ago in that you know the people people nominating these things don't always haven't ever watched everything on television so right you know and uh, like I said I mean I've done the nominations before I've got the nomination forms where it's literally like you remember those old uh, exams you'd get in school with the fill in the little hole yeah. or fill in the little circle and it's that and it says best supporting actress and there's a list of 150 actresses and I mean all a person can do is go through the list and say oh I recognize her name and her name and her name and her name okay next best science fiction okay well I know yeah and really it's it's too big for for people to be able to do that. And what happens is it, it comes out to the average, most well-known. Um, you know, the, the stuff that I get, I've, and I've taken pictures of it and put it on Twitter, of all the DVD box sets that are delivered every year for, for your consideration. Um, you know, there's no way you could go through them all, so then it sort of comes down to who's got the nicest presentation of the boxes. Yes. So yes. you remember their names, so you, you know, and on and on it goes. So I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is to this, um, how you can really pin it down. But to me, um, Orphan Black really deserved that nomination. Yeah. I mean, she's doing an amazing job. She's playing five different components. Completely different characters, and, and each that, one of or them six a, or seven. Yeah, and each one of them is a performance uh, that is, you know, Emmy nomination worthy. Even aside from the fact that she's having to play off herself, you know, in well, so, so yeah, many scenes. Maybe, maybe I don't know about that, but they're <coughs> very good. Yes, they're fleshed out real characters. Well, you're not watching it thinking, "Oh, that's the girl pretending to be the other girl." No. no. Um. So that's sad, and yes, fuck. Fuck you, Emmys. My favourite shows never get up, which either says something about the Emmys or something about my taste in television. I'm not quite sure. And that's why all the fans that are listening to the TV Chinwag podcast need to heed our warnings when we tell you there's a good show out there. Don't wait for the Emmys to tell you because yeah, you're probably not going to get the, the straight dope. No, and you'll end up watching the same show as everyone else, and that gives you absolutely no hipster cred on Twitter. And you'll probably get herpes. If you haven't already, because you're listening to TV Ginwag. Oh. <laughs> but you know what can cure mean? herpes, Ryan? What's that? Good science. The sort of good science that can also go bad in shows like Helix. How long? 12 hours. Who else knows? Our primary goal is to identify this pathogen. What we're dealing with here, none of us has ever seen. What's it doing to him? It's changing him. He had this look in his eyes. It wasn't human. This wasn't a damn accident. We're not just breaking international laws. We're screwing with the laws of nature. Now, what is this show, Helix, that I've heard so much about? <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard a lot about it? <laughs> I have heard. I, I've, I've heard uh, not so much now, but when it first started, I heard a lot of people talking about Helix. It was uh, sort of the, the standout uh, surprise sleeper hit, if you will. The Dark Horse, if I could it, call it. It did so have old. a lot of buzz. It's a sci-fi um, 
sci-fi series. And sci-fi have really sort of, if you like, gone back into um, uh, some more original uh, scripted dramas over the last couple of years, having sort of uh, moved away or had had a lean period, if you like. Um, they sunk a lot of money into the series Defiance, which is in its second season. Uh, it's mm. just had Dominion, which is about the War of the Angels start. Uh, mm. And we might talk about that at some point because it's hilariously bad and in terribly enjoyable to watch. And Helix, which uh, got a lot of, yes, as you say, pre-publicity, um, partly because, again, as you mentioned, it had uh, Ronald Moore um, associated with it as an EP and also um, Javier Griot-Marxois, who uh, well-known in nerdy and TV circles, uh, worked on Lost, well known for the uh, graphic novel and TV series The Middleman, which has a huge um, cult following, and a really, really cool poster <laughs> that they had at the beginning, mm -hmm. which was a uh, black and white scientist looking down a microscope and the back of his head exploding. So that gave you a sense uh, of what it might be about. Now, if that doesn't say science bitches, I don't know what it does. <laughs> uh, so Helix, which is, uh, it's filmed in Toronto, uh, is, I suppose it's... But not a Canadian production. It's an American it's production. It's American production. Is based, you could almost call it a, not say a haunted house, but it's, it's set in an Antarctic base. So it's a very... It's actually in the Arctic. Uh, sorry, I'm from the... Uh, it should be Antarctic, and I thought it was until about the sixth episode, and they realized that there was a house and people living there, uh, and then yes, they said Arctic. Yes, yes, and there, there are various Inuit um, people True. nearby. Sorry, I'm from the Southern Hemisphere, and I forget you have ice up in the Northern Hemisphere as well. Um, my bad. In the So it's set in the Arctic, uh, and yeah. a disease of some unknown... Uh, origin or type breaks out at this base and the CDC is called in with their uh, SWAT team, if you like, of scientists to come and investigate. Um, and so they're, it's that very claustrophobic, um, you know, most of it takes place in four rooms in a corridor, um, what is happening at this station. Uh, stars Billy Campbell, uh, who we... I don't know if we did talk about him, but we talked about The Killing a couple of weeks ago, which uh, was probably his last big series and mm -hmm. quite well known. Um, also, uh, Hurakai Sanada, who appears in everything as the slightly evil and untrustworthy uh, scientist. He was also in Lost as part of the Dharma Initiative. And relatively unknown actor, uh, Canadian actor, Kyra Zagowski, who I knew from a brief uh, appearance uh, two seasons ago on Supernatural, where she played a mm -hmm. possessed stripper, possessed by a mm -hmm. Mayan god, as many strippers are. Mm -hmm. What did you think of Helix? I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed the ride. Um, I didn't get all the way through the season. I got to episode nine. Um, they're great actors. I, I, I enjoy everyone in the show. Um, Billy Campbell is really fantastic. I mean, I think he really takes it sort of to the next level with the acting. Um, Hiroku uh, is very good as well. Um, and, and so is Kira. They're all great. Um, I like the idea of it. It uh, played out really well. Some cool special effects. Um, some visual effects that were yeah, pretty, pretty good. Um, but I didn't feel any magic. I, I, I mean, I sort of just stopped watching. It, 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 it felt a little bit slow-paced, a little bit frozen, if you will. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't really know who was on whose side, and I, I didn't really... I don't know. I, I wasn't dying for a resolution to the problem. Um, it felt a little bit like John Carpenter's The Thing in, in the fact that it was set in the a desolate uh, wasteland of snow. Um, yeah, and you don't know and who's infected or, you know, there's, there's yeah. that sort of mystery. Um, um, I like the naked monkeys. The monkeys were the cool. monkeys. Really yeah, cool. Those were really cool. Some creepy rats. Uh, naked yeah. rats, too. Uh, some really cool characters. I like the, the scientist girl, um, but they, they kill them all off, which is kind of depressing. <laughs> You're like, oh, I like, really like this is a really unique character in a TV show, and she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, I, you know, I, I, I would recommend it to people who like science fiction. Absolutely. Why not? Um, if somebody wanted a really engrossing drama or mystery, I, I couldn't recommend that. Yeah, it's interesting. I had, I had the same uh, reaction to you. Uh, first episode, did some really interesting things, set it up really well. Um, and then, and it's like on paper, it's got all the elements for a really good, you know, mystery, thriller, um, and somehow it fails to deliver. And I'm not sure, it's obviously in the writing, there's something there that just doesn't, doesn't have you on the edge of your seat. So I think as we both found, you sort of run out of interest as to, I don't really care, you know, What's, they haven't engrossed you in the who's who's good, who's bad, who's, uh, you know, where did this virus come from, who's going to die next. Um, the characters, again, although the acting's fine, um, I'm not invested, even Billy Campbell, I, uh, you know, I'm not particularly invested in his character or uh, there's just something where the, all the pieces are there but they've just not coalesced into a show and I think that's I'm not sure why that is um you know and there's some great scenes it's it's sort of zombie adjacent in the effect this virus has on people um and you know it's in the arctic there are heads in jars for god's sake that sh yeah. that alone futurama-esque heads in jars and that's amazing there's some brilliant visuals on that level but, um, you know, it's one of those shows where after, I think I got up to episode five or six and I went back and I skipped an episode and I didn't even know I'd skipped an episode. Right, yeah, I did the same actually, yeah. Um, so it's that sort of show where you're like, oh, I can't even remember whether I knew that happened or not and it doesn't really seem to matter. So a bit disappointing in that because I do think um, the elements were there. I'd much rather watch, you know, an, an episode of a show like this than you know, another episode of Law and Order or something, if I want some sure. TV. But I'm not, just not sure why it, why it didn't come together in the way that it could have been so much more exciting. Um, it had a dozen, uh, 13 episodes, and I just, the second half particularly, just ran out of steam. Maybe it would have been better as a shorter season. Um but then again, you know, I think we've seen with other shows that doesn't always guarantee, you know, writing that's not up to the job doesn't necessarily get up to the job just because you have, le have less episodes. Well, yeah. Um, did you get all the way through it? No, I'm up to, I think, episode uh, 10 or 11. Um, I'm interested okay. to skip ahead to the finale because I did read a review of the finale that was a very what the fuck <laughs> sort of okay. the reviewer was like i don't even know what's happened and i've watched it three times which made me intrigued and it sets up the second series and it has actually been renewed for another um season and it sets it up in a way that um i was intrigued to see although not intrigued in a good way um so yeah i mean i like the idea that the concept of sort of a cdc swat team going around to different disease outbreaks now i think that's a show that's got legs uh and if you have engaging characters in, including some of the ones you mentioned who don't make it all the way through season one uh the the blonde sort of vet character uh vet scientist was she was fantastic and i'm like yeah i'll watch a show with her in the lead <laughs> uh, yeah exactly don't yeah. see characters like that on tv and i think that idea of an ensemble you know like criminal minds were, which but with disease that diseases could be really good and it can include you know zombie viruses and all that um somehow this just you know it didn't it didn't go off for either of us did it left us unsatisfied it did, yeah. Failure to launch. Um, I would say if you were at home sick for a rainy weekend and everything else on Netflix you've watched, definitely put it on and take a look. You know, there's some great, there's some great tropes that happen, and and there's there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just nothing that's really mm. super fantastic. Yeah, and, the, uh, and certainly the first, you know, even if you just watch the first half of the season, to be honest, watch yeah. the first four or five episodes. 
even if you stop then, uh, you won't be dissatisfied because you won't really care by that point. Um, but there is some good stuff. There's um, They play with sort of whether people are hallucinating or whether they're not, uh, memory and dream sort of stuff. Uh, you know, there's, there's some clever stuff going on there. It just for some reason doesn't coalesce uh, into something more. And look, to be honest, I don't think the second season's going to suddenly be fantastic i may pop in for an episode but i doubt it i don't i don't uh, necessarily have uh hopes that it will turn into something i'm going to enjoy a lot more yeah i kind of lost interest when they left the base uh when the one of the dudes left the yeah. base and ended up at a police officer's house i was like uh, how remote is this <laughs> base, first of all? Yeah, so why haven't they been rescued if he can wander over? Yeah. To... You could just jump on a snowmobile and be like, oh, here's a guy in the snow, I'm going to take him. Yes. So anyways, I, 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 well, there were some serious issues with that. Well, it destroyed the claustrophobia and, and, you know, yeah. the thing that works. Oh, absolutely, The thing it that did. works it, in it the totally thing did. is they're isolated. Yeah. They can't be rescued, you know, the yes. radio's out and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Whereas they sort of... Yeah, they sort of destroyed that a bit. Should mention though, great use of music. They use um, <laughs> at, at really incongruous mu- music, which is um, you know something they've done deliberately. So almost like elevator type music happens at you know moments when zombies are spewing black goo all over you, um, and, and and again it, it suggests a quirkiness that wasn't really um, played out. Uh, does suggest some, you know, some great ideas behind it, but yeah, just never really um, delivered the goods on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's too bad because that was that was one of the great things about it is there'd be these horrific scenes of zombies, people turning into zombies, blackout to title credits that are. I think it was like the girl from Ipanema or something. Yeah, that's what it was on the opening scene, right? It was a. A broken, shattered laboratory with <coughs> goo and blood everywhere, and it was the girl from Ipanema <laughs> goes walking and that's bizarre. And that was what got me in because I love sure. the idea that it was going to perhaps play, you know, and it does use these sort of idea of hallucinations, and there's a lot of stuff where you're not sure whether someone's experienced something experiencing something real or whether they're hallucinating and they do that quite well but again it's it's not done consistently enough or well enough uh, to lift the show to a level where you know you are you know this sort of show you have to be sitting on the edge of your seat thinking oh my god what's going to happen next i can't wait to next week give me more episodes right now and it never does that it's it's like oh wonder what'll happen maybe will i watch it oh i missed it i'll catch it next week or, oh, I've got the podcast on Saturday. I better watch some more episodes. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I would end up putting it sort of in the background while I was doing other stuff, which, yes. I mean, never helps the show. But if you can't keep my attention, that's where you go to underneath the desktop. Exactly. I do I do the same thing. I call it radio television. So it's like, oh, I have to yeah. go and put the laundry on. I will just leave it on in the background and I'll probably be able to follow what's happening because... Yeah, I don't need. To, I know, don't <laughs> exactly. need to sit down and have my attention riveted because it's not riveting me. So a bit sad, but look, you know, uh, just generally on the this uh, sci-fi producing more sci-fi is a good thing. And you know, if if you're going to sit down and watch some TV that doesn't hold your attention, please watch a crappy sci-fi show and don't watch Criminal Minds and Law and Order. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Because, you know, there are some great and creative people on all parts of the production involved in these shows, and I would like to see them at least getting regular work as much as people on uh, very pedestrian, you know, cop shows that have been around. NCIS. NCIS. Like, you know, can we please have, you know, if we could have a sci-fi show of that quality, i.e. not particularly high, um, being the most watched show in the world reputedly, I'd be very happy. Uh, it's got imagination. It does get you thinking in a different way, and it's um, I yeah much rather reward that. And that's my prejudice. <laughs> no, I I don't. I totally agree with you, and that's why that's why we're reviewing the show today. I think yeah. it's just a and there will be people. Uh, yeah, hopefully, there will be people out there who watch it and think it's you know the best thing since um black goo in the last show they watched. Um, and there are some you know. <laughs> 
there, there are parts of this that are really good and will stick you in some great images you know there's a, a number of images where you like you'll have to go and scrub your brain because it's like oh my god that was disgusting in a good yes, in yeah. a good way or oh my god there was a frozen head in a jar in the snow uh they're good at doing those moments they're just not good at backing them up as being key plot or character moments so they give you a great image and it's just that it's like the poster at the beginning was intriguing and shocking but it, and the music and the, music, and the, the weirdness and the yeah. and the, the being isolated and then the crazy virus and the people are dying and then it just sort of falls off so hey look watch it uh, drop us a, an email if you had a different opinion and think we've totally lost missed the point of the whole thing and you think it's the best thing on tv or the worst thing on tv because um we'd love to have a bit of conversation with you about these shows and argue with you on air even if we're the ones with the microphone yeah even if we're the ones with the podium and you you are not <laughs> you still have a voice please here. feel free to attack us on twitter at tv chinwag and if you need some fuel, then I suggest you'll probably attack Will me Graham for my is review of our next show, show <laughs> which is the television series called Hannibal. Let me help you. You think he's innocent? I look at my friend and I see a killer. I think he still wants to save lives, that's what I think. I don't know who I am anymore. Now, Hannibal is based on the novels or the, the, the original story of uh, Hannibal the Cannibal, which you might remember from Red Dragon, the Thomas Harris series, uh, of course, that made extremely popular with the Silence of the Lambs movie in the early 90s or late 80s, one of the two, um, with Hannibal Lecter, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Um, this is... A little bit different, and I don't think it lives in the same... I mean, maybe you'll correct me. Does it live in the same universe as those books? So, yes. Uh, Brian Fuller, who's who's the um, showrunner, has said that uh, basically they see uh, the Red Dragon book, which, if you're familiar with the series, is the one where the two lead characters here are Hannibal Lecter, who has not yet been arrested or discovered for being a um, psychotic serial killing cannibal, and Will Graham, who's the FBI agent who is is trying to track down who this murderer is. So th their sort of big climax uh, and, and confrontation is in The Red Dragon. And Brian Fuller has said that sort of in the future of this show. And it, the show is being broadly uh, canon compliant with elements of the book. So it's not, it's certainly not reproducing the books, it's using characters from that universe. Uh, all the main characters are from that as, as well as some of the more minor ones. Uh, but they're, I would say inspired by is probably closer than based on the books by. But it certainly is leading towards you know, where we see Hannibal and Will Graham in The Red Dragon and obviously subsequently in Silence of the Lambs. So, um, but only, you know, not reproducing those books of which there are there are a few now and some really bad movies as well and some really good movies. Um, what did you think of? Some really good movies. Some really good movies. Yeah. Uh, what did I think of it? I do not like the show at all. I think it's drivel. I think it's... I, I think it's pejorative, boring, typical NBC fodder, which is has no real value. <gasps> I, I think the actors, the actors, although interesting, or rather Hannibal, uh, the actor who plays Hannibal, uh, what's his name, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, is is a good actor. I think he's given pablum to spit out. I, I think there's n there's nothing exciting or or dangerous about what he says. Uh, Hugh Dancy, I think, is the one who plays Will Graham. Yes. I think he is a stick person drawing of a character. I think he's boring. He reminds me of the guy from Numbers. Did you ever watch yes, Numbers? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, what's his I name kept in... calling him Numbers. Yes. Um, I don't know. I it doesn't matter. He's a boring <laughs> character, too. Just like this fucking guy. Um, I'm so sick and tired of cop shows taking the borderline um, savant uh, professor 
then giving him a gun and making him also a professor who's also a cop <laughs> uh, and can carry a firearm into battle um, and, and be weird and edgy and see things. And it's just so tired and done and boring. The reason why Silence of the Lambs was amazing was, I mean, obviously the performances in that were above and beyond. Jodie Foster was amazing, but Hannibal Lecter uh, was a very deep, layered, interesting, and scary, scary character who would use his psychology to burrow into your brain before he literally ate you. (laughs) It wasn't about the cannibalism. It was about the cannibalism of the mind. Him tearing you apart layer by layer by layer and getting at the root of you and knowing that and having that control over you. It wasn't about killing people and eating them. Although, that of course (laughs) was what he was arrested for. That wasn't what made him scared. This has nothing like that. Um, The Hannibal in this story is just eats people and then invites people over to his fancy dinner party and feeds them weird food that's essentially humans. Uh, he goes through his Rolodex and calls up people and then just offs them, as we find out later on. Um, I, I really have no time at all for um, the the whole police aspect of it. Now, to make matters even more lame, um, <laughs> Will Graham, our main numbers, our main investigator, he is a patient of Dr. Hannibal Lecter as well, and, of course, spews out... Uh, sorry, I guess we didn't say numbers is also, he's a, a forensic uh, psychiatrist, is he? No, Hannibal's a, a, a forensic a, a psychiatrist. Is, yes. uh, anyways, numbers is numbers. He, he can just figure shit out because uh, he's smart. And uh, he, of course, is a patient of Dr. Lecter, so he spills all the beans about these murders that he's quote-unquote investigating, and uh, Hannibal gives him, I don't know, whatever advice or whatever <laughs> shit. Um... <laughs> To make matters worse is uh, Lawrence Fishburne is in it. Yes. And plays uh, the, the character he played on CSI. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I'm not a CSI. Oh, okay. Well, CSI. you wouldn't have to see it because it's the same fucking thing. Oh, okay. Um, so he's the He FBI. plays the exact same goddamn thing. Actually, he plays, to be actually fair, he plays Will Graham's character in CSI. Oh, okay. The, the college professor who's given a gun and becomes a police right. officer. Um, just... Dull, boring, gruesome, the violence and the amount of gore and uh, uh, really obscene violence, I have no time for. Uh, I finally gave up on episode 9 or something, which was with the human totem pole, the oh, totem yes, pole made of human beach, parts. Yes. And I'm like, why am I watching this? This is, this is gross, it's disturbing. Disturbing in a, hey, look at how fucked up we can be, not in a, hey, isn't this creepy kind of way? Um, this show was not for me. I don't think it has any <laughs> really? Re- really redeeming qualities. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna spoiler. Um, not not a not a great show, and really too bad because it should have been way more of a psychological thriller instead of a visual horror crime thing. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel about it, Jules? <laughs> any feelings? Um. Look, I've I've watched through both seasons one and two. I was. I'm certainly I, I've enjoyed watching it. Um, I don't disagree with with some of what you say, um, but I, as it goes on, and I certainly the end of season one and going into season two, they do start to, and particularly season two, play more with the um, the psychological relationship between uh, Will Graham Numbers and um, and Hannibal Lecter and him getting inside uh, his mind and also um, vice vice versa. Look, it's it's an interesting show. It's an interesting show to have on a network. It somehow I don't know how a lot of it gets past standards and practices. It certainly is some you know, and I. You and I probably watch most of the really gory shows on TV. This, um, you know, every episode has a tableau of death. Uh, And in the same way that the food is presented as food porn, uh, and as I talked about last week, I I love cooking, I love food, I watch every food reality show. Um, This is almost like um, an excerpt from a fine dining show. We see uh, Hannibal preparing these meals. It's often implied and not shown that he's using... 
um, human body parts in these elaborate feasts that he prepares. But it's just, food porn. It's just stunning. But it's all. It is also death porn. I mean, there are these incredible, um, gory and repulsive, and yet strangely artistic in their presentation tableaus every week that either Hannibal or another um, one of the obviously many serial killers in the area um, have prepared um, yeah yeah I had no idea there's so many fucked up weirdos (laughs) in the world look no I I mean I do want to give the credit that it's it's imaginative what they're doing to me and I feel like this in real life you know there's there's lots of really objectionable material on the internet to me, it's just not something that you should see. Like, don't don't look at it, don't present it, don't look at it. What's not seen is is, is better. And I guess that's sort of the, breaking the taboo for me. Is like, what we don't need to see this shit. Like, this is just. It, I don't. I, I apologize. Maybe I'm too sensitive in that regard. No, no, I think it just seems uh, over the top and, and for shock shock value. Look, it's interesting given that. Um... You know, uh, and certainly it's not new. Uh, you know, TV's been run by death and murder shows for as long as I can remember, and this is almost taking it to that extreme and being um, unapologetic death porn, if you like, and and torture porn. It's it's um, almost not doing it in the guise as it often is of your. NCIS or Law and Order or whatever of we're going to get the bad guys um, because the lead character in this is the incredibly charismatic um, Hannibal Lecter who's um, certainly, you know, is held up to be admired uh, in this show. And um, Mm. I think that's, you know, that's interesting to reflect on for the – why why are we drawn to watching this? And it's interesting the way the death – and the the serial killing is presented in this is a way that's removed from reality. I mean, no serial killer is going around building totem poles of their dead victims and um, making artistic tableaus out of them. So this show is doing that, and how and how does that make us connect more to Hannibal Lecter as artists? Um, you know, make us connect more with him as a character, and is that a good thing? Um, I certainly agree with you about numbers and that sort of tired trope of uh, the savant or uh, sort of somewhere on the autism spectrum investigator. In in this case, Will Graham actually, when he goes to a murder scene, can put himself into a state where he envisages himself as the killer and then has like... Um, a vision of how the murder occurred. And this comes into play, obviously, as things go on about how close is he to these murderers and is he, in fact, um, himself a murderer? Uh, which, as you say, is not is not a new trope in this area. I do like Hugh Dancy's performance here. And probably I think the central thing that a lot of people have connected with is that relationship between... Um, Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter that becomes uh, psychologically intimate, if you want to put it that way. I don't know. I just don't see, I don't feel any connection between them. I don't feel any impending fear or interest. It just, I'm sorry, I just, I just, it it, it fell flat for me. And it's too bad because it could be very psychological and very scary. Maybe it gets better in season two, but... I'm not willing to to give. No, it no, back. it's 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 um yeah. You know, season two is less um less murder of the week and does uh, focus a lot more on the relationship uh, as as Will is trying to convince people that Hannibal Lecter is a killer and not a charismatic psychiatrist who should be consulting for the FBI. Uh, yeah. So that plays out a lot more in the in the second season. I mean the bits. And as I said, I do enjoy the show at the same time as not knowing whether I need, you know, horrific tableaus of death in my life every week. Um, some of the stuff they do around uh, both, uh, certainly with uh, Hugh Dancy numbers, um, sort of visions and that I like. There's a recurring um, character or vision uh, 
of, of a stag that represents Hannibal and I sort of like the way they play with that almost magic realism. There's some great minor performances in this. We have um, the wonderful Gillian Anderson appears as Hannibal Lecter's um, therapist uh, in both season one and two. We have Eddie... Is really? Is that Gillian Anderson? Yes. Wow, totally didn't know that. Um, Eddie Izzard turns up as a, another serial killer. Um, there's Gina Torres, Cynthia Nixon... Uh, so there's some great, uh, you know, minor characters in there as well. They've done some... Uh, yeah, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Jules. I just realised that this is exactly like Dexter, and I didn't watch Dexter for this exact reason. Well, maybe it's not the show for... Uh, and I would say that. It's not the show for everyone. I know some friends of mine who I think would enjoy aspects of the show, but it is a show celebrating serial killing and it's there's been some interesting yeah. discussions um I, i've seen people writing about that because of the exploring this idea of is it celebrating you know in a way that's uh, not good this sort of death porn and torture porn yeah. Yeah. um yeah. And, and it is done in a way that because it's uh air quotes artistic has in some ways is more no. acceptable than and, and no. Dexter was a bit like that as well if you present yes. these things in a way they become uh you know commonplace well commonplace but also this has got the pretensions of being art if you like you know uh yeah it, it's metaphor not real serial killers or whatever that doesn't take away from the fact that there's you're know, watching people be eviscerated and eat their own face and things like that so right it, Look, definitely not going to be the show for a lot of people. Um, it's got a, a very dedicated fandom who call themselves Fanables um, and delightfully, given the darkness of the show, spend a lot of their time um, doing like very happy drawings of Hugh Dancy and his many puppies because uh, the ca character of Will Graham has a lot of um, lost dog collects lost dogs. Um, and Brian Fuller, the showrunner, is very engaged uh, both on Twitter and, and Tumblr with people, which, um, you know, is, has, has, is, is joyful. And, and you see um, they po he posts pictures of the, the artwork that was done for the food uh, porn each episode. And uh, I've certainly enjoyed that that aspect of it uh if you stand back and look at it i think overall it's it's certainly in terms of narrative and character a hot mess um and it'll be interesting to see how it moves into the next season as well i'll definitely be back to to have a look at it because i am enjoying it more than i'm uh more than i'm not here's here's a couple two things hannibal lecter should not have been who he is in this Hannibal Lecter needed to be a mild-mannered, um, um, fatherly-type figure who was seething with evil on the inside. Allah, if if I could just sort of throw something out there, when we watched Fargo, yeah, and um, uh, Billy Bob's character in Fargo when he was pretending to be the dentist, yes, yes. So he's charming and charismatic and and lovable, but you know there's a a horrible evil person just below the surface yeah. that's what we needed to see i did not see that with this guy playing hannibal well, no, i saw him as a creepy weirdo they've, and he's a creepy weirdo who's going to do creepy weirdo things that's the problem yeah and they've certainly gone a very different way in um and, and i have to say why anyone would choose hannibal lecter as their therapist is and coming right is what i'm saying i've yeah. seen a lot of psychiatrists and i'm telling you if i walked into the room and hannibal lecter was there i'd be walking straight back out again <laughs> absolutely and uh, and that's that's part of the problem they're playing him as a creepy weirdo and he shouldn't be he should be a mild-mannered everyday man yeah. and that's that i lost it there you know originally first of all he's got an accent i can hardly understand him half the time <laughs> i shouldn't say that but you know he's got a pretty thick accent um and you're expecting Hannibal from the movies. Okay, well, it's not that. That's fine. I can I can go with that. You want to mix it up and do a little bit different of a character? That's cool. I, I can go with that. But to be something that the reason that Hannibal was scary was because he blended in and wasn't every man. This guy is super fine-dressed, fine-dining, <coughs> opera-going. To me, I think they missed a beat there. And I think that's a... A network kind of a thing. Okay. Um, my my other gripe is the 
three-person team that does the forensic work yes, with the, yes, the, you know, the comedy and Scott Thomason yes. and being in a, their whole um, 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 autopsy room is like glass, is made out of like glass, steel, yes. and uh, um, uh, lens flares. That could go fucking <laughs> That whole thing can go and fuck yeah, itself. Yeah, look, as, as we talked about with... Um, <laughs> Will Graham and the and you know the num the numbers character sort of trope of right. the savant. The yeah, can we get over the quirky forensic or science team? I mean, right. you know, if I you know, you know, the, there's you know the geeky girl and there's the quirky guys who are try- always trying to date who can't get laid, can't get and, laid, yeah. and like uh, that's late. These are scientists, people. Like these are doctors and scientists that help solve cases they're not yes they're not comedy well yes it's they can be but but there's a a real they don't have to be reason for them yes and you can do interesting characters without them being cliches like that um if you would like to see a really good example of that and i know jules i think you may have looked at this which was da vinci's inquest oh yes which was a canadian show from the 90s yeah that's how you do coroners that's how you do pathologists that's how you i mean they're real life people doing real life jobs and and that's far more interesting than glass and lens flares and you know like csi would have their pathology lab in an old church like yes like a steeple with like stained glass it's like fuck off (laughs) just fuck right off with that i think you come back one of the things that this show has done and it's both one of its i suppose it's one of its strengths but also its main weakness is that it's certainly not trying to mimic reality it it had and and at its core and its core issue is it's totally unbelievable that the whole of the fbi haven't worked out hannibal lecter's a serial killer by the second episode so that undermines all the characters because you know you've got Lawrence Fishburne is the head of, uh, you know, Jack Crawford is the head of behavioural scientists. You've got all these special agents coming out the wazoo. You've got um, Alana Bloom, who's an, a professor of psychiatry who consults with the FBI. You've got this uh, forensic, uh, expert forensic team, and not one of them works out that Hannibal Lecter is a serial killer, and they and they right. keep going around having dinner with him. Um, so right. you, For whatever reason, we're not sure um, why. Have you ever been invited to dinner with any psychiatrist yeah, I, I ever? Sort of, no. um, uh, against the against Taboo? the rules. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, so I think that's one of its central, and, and so it is. It does require you to suspend your disbelief, and it's like you have to raise your disbelief so high that then that's the atmosphere that this show is working on it's not working in a in a realm of reality and as i said it does use sort of elements of of magic realism but that's also its problem because and and we saw i think you know season two really focused on the fact that no one will believe will graham when he's you know convinced that hannibal's uh you know is the serial killer and that becomes increasingly unbelievable that uh you know no one will believe this. There is no forensic evidence. We even have um, the Freddie Lowndes character who's male in the books, who's female in the TV show, who's an um, investigative reporter, um, you know, hasn't found out anything. Um, it, it starts to, again, as I said, it's when you step back and look at some of the flaws in this is like, eh, hang on. But then I find myself... In, generally engaged and entertained each each week and and certainly the second half of both season one and season two I enjoyed because uh, there's this uh, more intense relationship between Hannibal and, and Will where in season one Hannibal is literally physically manipulating um, Will Graham's mind and, and in season two that sort of turns around and they're both, you know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and game playing going on. But look, if you don't like serial killers, if you don't like, uh, you will say, as I said, I don't know of any show, network or cable, and I watch The Walking Dead and everything else and Dexter, um, I don't know of any show that, 
has as much gore and death and violence, violence in the terms of, you know, torture, porn and that in it as this show. So, you know, if, if that's not yeah. a good area for you, you don't watch this. There's no, and there's no let up from it. It's every week. It's not once in a while. Um, and I think that will, you know, rightly turn off a, a lot of people. I think if you, I think there is good psychological stuff there between the, the lead characters, um, and that's what a lot of people have um, have connected with. Um, it's the sort of show where you will know after one or two episodes whether it's for you or not, though. I, I, it's not one where I'm going to say, I'll oh, give season one a go or watch most of the season. I reckon you'll know pretty soon. Um, if you don't like the first couple of episodes, this, then you won't like it. And if you, if you do yeah, like the first yeah. couple of episodes... You're likely to. Um, you're like. Well, I like the first oh, couple okay. episodes, but then I really I turned right around. You know, it's it's to me it's the horror gore porn. I I just can't abide, and I don't I don't think it should be on television. I certainly don't think it should be on network television. What the fuck? You can't show a tit or say the word cock. But you can <laughs> show oh, and, and, and hilariously, with the new series Constantine, they're not going to be able to show that character smoking, which is 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 right. integral to that character who comes from graphic novels um so yes you can't show someone smoking but you can show one character making another character eat their own face (laughs) so it's uh, it's very weird weird, but americans are weird like that aren't they (laughs) so anyways i hope people don't hate me because i said hannibal sucks but i i really can't you know maybe if it was out without the gore porn if you got rid of Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> if Numbers was a little bit more engaging and interesting, and if if Hannibal was far more intellectual than he is a cook, maybe I'd be interested. <laughs> In fact, you got a long ways to go. Basically, if it was a totally different show, yeah, if and it look- was a better show, and if people people the all the fanables out there that think this is the greatest show ever made, I suggest it's not. And I suggest if you want to see a really good cop show. Go and watch True Detective. And, and, and really pay attention to how people act, how characters react to situations, how situations unfold in a realistic and normal manner, and then look at Hannibal. And stop saying it's the greatest show ever <laughs> and the performances are the best in the world. They're but not. I think that's, They're very run of the mill. I think it's unfair or comparing Hannibal. I think Hannibal and True Detective are just creatures from another each from different planets and well no i think they're the same creature but one's been bastardized by (laughs) network television and nbc and essentially punched into uh this (coughs) but i I, i'm sure when this was originally pitched it was in the vein of a true detective type story which is very engaging and and uh, scary i i would suggest that if you know I would go, go if you haven't watched it for a long time or you've never seen it. Go and watch Silence of the Lambs. Watch uh, either version, Red Dragon or Manhunter, are both um, good good movies based in this universe. Don't watch Hannibal uh, the movie; that's really not very good. Uh, <laughs> but um, much like the TV show. <laughs> Um, although it does end up with Anthony Hopkins eating Rob Lowe's brains while he's alive, uh, which, you know, there's something to be said for that. Um, there's also a prequel movie that does young Hannibal, which is so bad. Um, and then there's also Silence of the Lambs, which you mentioned, where he doesn't actually kill and eat anyone, but it's, he's the most frightening character you've ever seen in a movie. Exactly. Um... So, hey, wait a minute. How can you be scary if you don't show chopped up people all over the place? Oh, I understand. Writing. (laughs) It's for writing. It's for writing. Look, uh, so again, uh, harass uh, Ryan at TV Chinwag on Twitter. Put on your flower crowns and uh, send some nasty tweets to Ryan. I will be back for watching season three of this, particularly because season two left it in a place where I'm like... (gasps) Okay, how are they even going to continue this episode? I mean, it ended, it was certainly one of the finales of the season, and I, I won't spoil it for those of you who are 
going to watch. Um, but it did leave the show in a place where I was like, how can they go on from this? Um, because, uh, again, that, that tension of, uh, you know, crime shows are often about either who done it or why done it, why did they do it, and this sort of doesn't have either. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the next season. Sorry, everybody. Sorry if I upset you, but um, we just speak not for the me. truth here on TV Chinwag, even when they're hard truths. Yeah, even when they're unpopular truths. <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be somebody that agrees with me, though. Please tell me if you agree with me, uh, people. You've got to tell me. I'm not on, a, on my own here. Well, that'll be interesting. We might tweet that out later after this podcast goes up and uh, and and see what sort of reaction we get on Twitter. We have it before right. and against Hannibal. Well, Jules, have we reached the end of another illustrious episode of TV Chin Mike? I think we have. Hannibal and Helix shows to try and like or not like. Um, a bit controversial today. A bit of a, a bit of uh, ambivalence and a and, and a bit of outright um, hate of uh, shows. So uh, <laughs> who knows what next week will uh, bring? Which we're well. What are we talking about next week? You tell us, Ryan. In the Flesh, which is a British zombie uh, television show, and Walking Dead, which is an American television zombie walking show. <laughs> walking show. Uh, so, yes, the theme of the undead does continue next uh, week to very different shows, very different takes on zombies. I'll probably uh, toss in talk talking about the uh, the French show Le Revenant as well, uh, just because it's amazing and it's also sort of about the undead. Um, so watch some of those shows before next week or um, tune in and see what we have to say about them and see whether you want to watch them. Because you know we won't sugarcoat things here at TV Chinwag. If you liked the episode today or maybe you hated it, please tell a friend to tune in and listen. That's how we're going to grow and get more popular. If you would like to support the podcast, you can visit tvchinwag.com forward slash fire. And there you can take advantage of a pretty neat offer for an Amazon Fire TV uh, where you can watch all of your shows online and save on your cable bill in perpetuity. <laughs> for TV Chinwag, my name is Ryan. I'm most often known as Jewel. Be back in your face next week right in your ears thanks for listening if you like the podcast please consider giving us a review on itunes send mail to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on twitter at tvchinwag music for this podcast provided by youtube music for ryan jules and myself insert name here thanks for listening to tv chinwag